Let us bow together in prayer. None of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed or how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found the sheep that was lost. Lord Jesus, as we contemplate such selfless love, our hearts must of need reply, love so amazing, so divine, demands our soul, our life, are all. Make this, we pray thee, the measure of our response today as we look into thy word together. For thy blessed name's sake. Amen. <clears throat> it's good to be back again with you here at Calvary Baptist Church and I want to thank you also very warmly for the prayers that have followed my wife and myself as we've ministered in the city of Chicago at the Midwest Keswick. More news of that later in the week. My text this morning is found in the book of the Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The book of the Revelation is an unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot read this book without being confronted with the glory of his person, the majesty of his power, and the wonder of his purpose. There is a very special blessing attached to the reading and understanding of this book and I'm always amazed when people shrink from its symbolism and from its language simply because it seems strange. For has not God promised us the anointing of the Holy Spirit to understand all things, yea, the deep things of God? And in this book of all books are some of the most precious unfoldings of the purposes of God for his believing people. In the chapters 4 and 5 particularly, we get a vision of the Savior in an especial way. John is given a vision of an open heaven and the Lamb upon the throne. And the Lamb is as a Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The vision of, is of one pierced, those wounds yet visible above in glory beautified. And as the heavenly hosts look upon him and interpret something of the meaning of that wonderful Lamb of God who was given for the redemption of mankind. Hearts are stirred and spirits are stirred and heaven is heard to burst forth with a song which is our text. In other words, heaven gives us an estimate of what they think of the Lamb. And as I've meditated upon these verses afresh during these past days, I've asked whether or not my estimate of Jesus Christ as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world is anything like the estimate and evaluation that heaven has of him. Remember that no angel in heaven has ever been redeemed. They know nothing of redemption story. They know nothing of being cleansed from sin. They know nothing about 
regeneration. They know nothing about the indwelling and filling of the Holy Spirit. And if the angelic hosts say, worthy is the Lamb, can you and I say any less? What is the measure of your appreciation of this Lamb upon the throne? We were hearing in that glorious solo just now, none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed or how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found the sheep that was lost. Have you ever tried to plumb the depths of his undying love in order that you might rede be redeemed? To what measure have you responded, my beloved friend, here this morning? To the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I notice that the measure of response and appreciation given in heaven is sevenfold. There are seven things mentioned here. And seven in scripture is always a symbol of completeness, of harmony, and of beauty. In other words, this is complete response. Nothing held back. No reserves. No reticence. It's completeness of response to the worthiness of Jesus. Now I want to ask young people here this morning and older ones too to isolate yourself from anybody else in this great audience today and focus your attention on our glorified Lord even the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world and ask yourself the question as I've been asking myself upon my knees afresh today to what extent has he got the full response of this sevenfold song of the angels Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive what? Power. Power. That word power is the same word translated authority, privilege. In John 1.12, where we read as many as received him, to them gave he the right, the privilege, the power, the authority to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's the privilege that's conferred upon the regenerate soul. The moment a man or a woman receives the Lord Jesus Christ into his life, he is at that moment a partaker of the divine nature, at that moment a child of God, and upon him is conferred the honor and privilege and authority of responding spiritually to the Lamb upon the throne. I want to ask my friend here this morning, have you given the Lord Jesus Christ your spiritual response? You say, what is spiritual response? It's the worship of the redeemed soul. It's the worship of the child who can look up and say, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bring thee and I bring him my spiritual response. This is private and this is public. It relates to your devotional life and it relates also to your corporate life of worship. And I want to look into your face this morning as I scan this audience and as I speak to those who listen on the radio. Tell me, my friend, did Jesus, did Jesus have the response that he longed for from your heart this morning in private worship? Before you flung yourself out into this day, which is the Lord's day, did you meet with him? Did you breathe the rarefied atmosphere of heaven? Did the silence of eternity break in upon your soul? Was the word open? Was your heart stirred? Did you give him what he looked for? For let me tell you that Jesus has a trysting place with every true child of God. You may, you may not keep the appointment, but he always does. 
When Jesus sat on the well side and looked into that shameful, sordid sinner's face, the woman of Samaria, he saw more than shame, more than sordidness, more than sin. He saw there a soul capable of worship, despite her background and despite her past. When Jesus said, give me to drink, give me to drink, I don't believe for a moment he wanted the material water of that well. He longed to drink from that woman's heart the devotion and loyalty and spiritual response of which he, she was capable if only she would stoop and drink and live. No wonder Jesus said, the Father seeketh such to worship him, for they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. I don't give any single hope to any fellow or girl, man or woman who lives day by day, day by day without giving Jesus the worship of which he is due and the worship for which he longs. For sooner or later that life is going to become dried up and barren and arid and nothing but a wilderness and that's so typical of Christian men and women in the so-called evangelical world of today. But it's not only private worship I'm speaking of here this morning. It's public worship too. God has ordained that the people of God should come together for the worship of his name. And there is something in the togetherness of God's people. Something in the coming together of God's people that can never be substituted by anything else in the world. Even if it's over old radio. Even if it's over television. Even though it's in isolated ways. God has ordained that the people of God should gather together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. So much the more as ye see the day approaching. And there is something God wants from this audience here this morning that can be never substituted by any single thing else in the whole world. Heaven is waiting for an act of worship from a people bowed in this church this morning. The Father seeketh such to worship him. Is he going to get it? Your spiritual response. Jesus is worthy to receive power. But is that all? No, you look further. He's worthy to receive riches. And if power is your spiritual response, riches constitutes your material response. He's worthy to receive riches. Riches. And one of the greatest sins in the Christian church will have been committed in this place today. And from the lives of many who hear me, unless you're very careful about this. He who was slain from the foundation of the world. He who spilt his blood for your redemption. He who gave himself unto death. He who is worthy of everything from your life wants your riches today. That's the measure of your material response. And the Bible teaches categorically without any denial at any point that there is the tithe response and the offering response from his people. Tithing is not just a legal device. Tithing is a universal law propounded throughout the scriptures. Long before Moses ever gave the law, tithing was in operation for Abraham gave of his tithes and Jacob gave of his tithes. We come into the New Testament and we discover that Jesus came not to destroy the law but to enforce the law. To make it possible for people to carry through the law by the enabling of his indwelling spirit. And tithing is the basic amount which God not deserves but demands from our lives. The tithe of all you receive my brother, the tithe of all you receive my sister are God's by right. 
The man who doesn't give his tithe to God sins and lives in sin. And you dare point your finger at a harlot. You dare point your finger at an immoral person in this city while you live in sin. Will any man rob God? Wherein have you robbed me? Asked Jehovah from his throne in your tithes and offerings. We've been preaching on revival these last few Sundays here. And I long for a spirit invasion into our midst. And I know the unity of God's people is one condition of revival. I know that a prayer fellowship is the condition of revival. I know that holiness is a condition of revival. But so is sacrificial giving. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouse, says our God, and prove me now herewith. See if I will not open up the sluice gates of heaven and pour you out a blessing that ye have no room to receive it. My beloved friend here this morning, I want to say in the presence of God that your material response must be viewed first of all in that which God demands, your tithe. And that's God's, whether you give it or not, it's God's. But the fact that you withhold it, you sin the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. And if there's death in your life, if there's absolute barrenness in your life, if there's fruit for fruitlessness in your life, don't you say anything to God. You've robbed him. You've robbed him. And his heart is grieved in heaven until you fulfill that material response. But if tithes are what God demands, then let me say that offerings are what God deserves. Offerings are over and above the tithe. That's God's anyway. But the offering is that love gift. That superabundant gift. That overflow gift. That which comes to God when the tithe is already being given because of what he's done for me. Lord Jesus, I love thee with all my heart and I want to tell thee that in addition to the tithe this week, I want to give my offering because you deserve it. You died for me. You gave yourself for me. You withheld nothing from me, Lord Jesus. Take this love offering. A tangible expression of my response to thee. He's worthy to receive power. He's worthy to receive riches. Not only your spiritual response, not only your material response, but listen again, he's worthy to receive wisdom. That's your intellectual response. And when I talk about intellectual response, I do not mean intellectualism. I don't mean academic knowledge. I don't mean technical knowledge. I don't mean the knowledge which puffeth up. I mean a life so given to the study of God's word and so nurtured in the word that when I pray, when I serve, when I speak, I'm offering to God intelligence, intelligence, the utter nonsense and uninformed pathetic immaturity which comes from the lips and minds of the average Christian today is one of the greatest concerns of my heart. Tiny little babies that have never grown up. God wants intelligent Christians and there's a threefold mark of an intelligent Christian. They have a mind that's characterized by humility. They have a growth that's characterized by maturity. They have a speech that's characterized by authority. And I just wondered how many of you, how many of you here give yourselves to the study of God's word. We've been announcing today our Bible study hour. I would to God that the crowd that's here this morning minus not one in fact an overflow should be here to study the word of God you know all about gardening you know about engineering you know about your real estate you know about your college work but tell me what do you know about the word of God what do you know about God are you intelligent 
Are you intelligent at all? Has he got your intellectual response? He's worthy to receive wisdom. Yes, he's worthy to receive more than that. He's worthy to receive strength. Strength! Strength! God grant that I may be given strength to give him back strength, my physical response. And what I ask of myself, I ask of everyone here. I'm not pretending today to explain the mystery of suffering. That's a subject in itself. It's lost in the sovereignty of God. I know that when people are called upon so often to suffer, it's in order that character may be drawn out of them, sweet and pure and noble for Jesus Christ. For as George MacDonald once put it, Jesus Christ suffered not in order that we might be saved from suffering, but that our suffering might be like his. But what I want to say is this, given an average healthy body, God wants that body to be kept holy and pure and strong for him, that he might have all the energy and strength of our physical response. The body is given first of all to be exercised, bodily exercise profiteth, for this little while, as Paul puts it in Timothy, and this little while is our life down here and we should keep our bodies fit and wholesome and tip-top for God. Our bodies are not only to be exercised, but they're to be preserved. I pray God that your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men, are your bodies clean this morning? Are they clean? Are those eyes clean? Are those lips clean? Are those hands clean? Women here today, let me ask you, is that body of yours preserved pure, undefiled for God? It's no good coming here this morning and saying, Oh God, receive the worship of my heart when your body is being defiled throughout the week. God wants clean bodies. And with that clean body, my friend, he wants surrendered bodies. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now I want to ask the question, my friend, have you ever had a dealing with God, such a deep, deep level dealing with God, that every single faculty of your body has been laid upon the altar piece by piece. Lord, my brain. Lord, my eyes. Lord, my tongue. Lord, my lips. Lord, my ears. Lord, my hands. My voice. My feet. My entire body piece by piece intelligently upon the altar of thine acceptance. For let me tell you, my friend, until that body is yielded like that, the rest of those two verses in Romans 12 will never come true. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the world, but be transfigured, transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Tell me, can you say that you're in the center of God's will today? Are you enjoying the sweetness of knowing the rest of faith in the Jesus who dwells in you and works through you the whole will of God? Or is that unknown and strange and mysterious language to you? Are you a yielded Christian? Is that body of yours utterly and completely yielded? If not, you're lying. If not, you're living a life of self-robbery. For does not the Bible say you're bought with a price? You're bought with a price. You're not your own. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. 
physical response. Physical response. But is that all? No, he's worthy to receive my spiritual response. He's worthy to receive my material response, my intellectual response, my physical response. He's worthy to receive honor, my ethical response. My ethical response. My friend, I want to say this, and I want to say it deep down in my soul. God expects every one of you to live utterly and completely honorably, honorably in every relation of your life. Spiritually, the word of God says this, them that honor me, I will honor. Them that honor me, I will honor. And before God, you should be living a life of ethical response. But not only in your spiritual relationship, in your personal relationship. In your personal relationship, says the word of God, let every man know how to possess his vessel, his vessel, his body unto sanctification and honor. Tell me in your personal life, are you absolutely pure with God? Are you characterized by the three ingredients of honor? Reality, sincerity, and integrity. Reality, sincerity, and integrity. May I ask about your marital affairs, your home life? Did you ever hear the Bible say this? Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Let me ask you, my friend, is your marital life pure? Is it ethical? Let me ask about your business life, your professional or vocational life. Are you a man of absolute honor? Does everybody in your whole area know here is a man of honor? Here is a woman of honor? Give honor to whom honor is due, says the word of God. Yes, custom to whom custom is due. And tribute to whom tribute is due. What about the inland revenue? What about all your financial affairs? Are you a man of absolute integrity? God expects an ethical response. An ethical response. A life of absolute honor. Every day of your life. But is that all? No, says the word of God. I want something else. He's worthy to receive honor. Yes, he's worthy to receive glory. Glory, what is that, my friend? That's your moral response. Glory is the outshining of character. Glory is the outshining of character. And what God wants to see in me is the outshining of Jesus. He doesn't want my popularity. He doesn't want my talents. He doesn't want the inflection of my voice. He doesn't want my particular reputation. He doesn't want anything out of me. He wants Jesus through me. And Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified in that ye bear not just fruit, not just much fruit, but more fruit. And what God is looking for in each one of us today is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in wrought and outworked through us by the power of the Holy Ghost, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit in character, the fruit of the Spirit in character. All one can hear about today is, I've been hurt. All one can hear about today is, oh dear, I've been irritated. I've been provoked. I've been wrong. Well, who is I? I'll tell you, the you who died 1900 years ago at Calvary, nailed there. And I've never heard of dead people being hurt. I've never heard of dead people being irritated. 
I've never heard of dead people being provoked. I've never heard of dead people being jealous. I've only heard that when they're dead, they're silenced. Only one should be coming out of your life. It's Jesus. And if you know anything of Galatians 2 and 20, then I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And God isn't looking for hurt, provoked, irritated, jealous people. He's looking for Christ. He's looking for Christ, the glory of God. And he's worthy to receive that moral response. That's why he came to die. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he redeemed us. In order that the moral response might go back to him. Not only in terms of character but also in service. For Jesus said, you haven't chosen me but I have chosen you. And ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit, your fruit should remain. Tell me, has he got that glory? Has the moral response of your life been seen in character and service this past week? Oh, my beloved friends, we're not here to entertain. We're not here to make your ears itch. We're not here to tell funny stories. We're here to deal with mighty eternal truths in an hour that's so dark that one wonders if God will ever spare us from a third world war. And one of the greatest needs in America today is a revived church. And it will never come until our yieldedness is commensurate with the estimation and evaluation heaven gives of Jesus. Yes, he's worthy to receive our spiritual response. He's worthy to receive our material response. He's worthy to receive our intellectual response. He's worthy to receive our physical response. He's worthy to receive our ethical response. He's worthy to receive our vocational response for he's worthy of the blessing. You show me a man who in those six instances has been complete in his surrender and I'll show you a woman, I'll show you a man, I'll show you a fellow and a girl who brings blessing wherever he goes, wherever she goes, whether it's in a hospital ward, whether it's in the subway, whether it's in the office, whether it's in the college, whether it's in a conversation, whether it's in a Sunday school class or Bible class, blessing, 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 blessing is flowing from that life. And what does such a one do? If they know the intelligence God expects of them, this is what happens. I read it, I read it in the epistle of Paul to the Romans concerning that giant evangelist, Paul the Apostle. He comes back after his great itineraries amongst the Gentile people and we hear his language. He says this, I offer up the Gentiles. What Gentiles? Converts. Those whom he's blessed through his ministry. I offer up the Gentiles as a sacrifice sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Can you see him? Can you see him kneeling? Can you see him there with eyes fixed and focused on the Lamb upon the throne? Can you hear his language? Oh God, I thank you for the day you broke into my soul and converted me to your dear son. And in loving response for all he's done, I bring the blessing of this week. These Gentile philosophers, these Gentile men and women who were converted this week, and I offer them up to you, Lord, take them. They're yours. If there's any blessing come from our life, it's because you've done it, Lord Jesus. Not I, but thine be the blessing. Here it is, Savior. I lay these trophies at thy feet. 
with love and devotion and adoration and praise for the sheer privilege of mentioning thy name, for the sheer privilege of being a blessing to others. Here it is, Lord. The blessing is yours. Take it. Take it. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. The complete response. The complete response. I want to ask you as you listen to me at this moment, my friend, is that the measure of your response today? Has he got that spiritual and material and intellectual and physical and ethical and moral and vocational response? Is your response commensurate with his deservings? The worthy, the worthy Lamb of God. Or are you living in sin, selfishness, and self-robbery from God? I pray that today, as you take another look at Calvary, and from Calvary to the throne, you'll make the language of your heart out there amongst the hills. My Savior died, pierced by those cruel nails, was crucified. Lord Jesus, thou hast done all this for me. Henceforward, I will live only for thee. Let us pray. One brief word of prayer as we silence our spirits and hearts in the presence of God. Whether you're at your radio or bowed here in this church at Calvary, I want to ask you, will you just say, love so amazing, so divine, shall have my soul, my life, my all. Lord, make that the measure of response from every heart bowed in thy presence at this moment and get what thou deservest from each one of our lives. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. This is David Olford. You have been listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Olford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, our web address is olford.org. That's O-L-F-O-R-D dot org. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching, which can also be found on our website. Thank you so much for listening.